0: welcome home and thank you for joining us here on the real life church podcast we are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love we hope you enjoy this message amen so we have been on our better together part four we're going to be finishing up next week and then we're hitting the summer of love baby um We're going to talk about what love is and what love ain't, right? So uh, we're going to have fun through the summer on that. But today we're talking about Better Together, and we're going to be hitting those last couple of grace gifts, and this is leadership and mercy. So let's read in Romans 12, 6, if you got your Bible or we've provided it there for you. Um, It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Do you see that? It says, let us use them, don't hoard them, don't bury them, don't sit on them, but use them. It said, if prophecy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry that to be serving. Let us use it in our ministering, to he, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, and he who gives with liberality. And today we're going to be talking about he who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. Can we pray? Father, we thank you already for your beautiful and magnificent presence, Father. Lord, I thank you that we have another day, even though it may be a little gray and rainy out there again. Lord, we thank you that you are light, that you are the creator. God, that you are hope. And so, Father, I ask today, God, as we come into your word, God, would things come alive in our hearts? God, if there's those that are needing a touch in their body, God, that you would just be with them, that you are near to us. And that you would show them your goodness. Father, we thank you for that. And bless your people. May your word come alive in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Well, I like, I've told you guys this every week. This is probably one of my favorite gifts. Um, It's not because I'm a great leader. But this is probably one of my higher, when I do a lot of assessments, this is usually my gift. And it dominates. I've seen it from the time I have started work. You know, sometimes our gifts make room for us, and um, I've just watched this happen, and we're going to talk through this. I also want to just, as we're looking at these gifts, remember that these gifts are not to define us. They may be a grace that we function in, but they're not our identity. It's not where we get our value from, and we operate in these gifts from a place of where? Love. Love and bringing value when we go to Romans 12 this is something we're talking about this in our everyday ordinary waking getting up going to sleep our everyday lives so no matter if we're in pastoring in a church setting or if you're owning a business or if you're cutting grass or if you're cleaning or whatever wherever you find if you're at home this is gifts that can operate why why do they operate so we serve one another It's so we can serve one another, to bring value, to bring life to others. And when we do that, man, God creates this beautiful, amazing picture of him. We're his body, right? All right, so let's look at this word here in Greek. The word lead is prohistemi, and it means to stand before, to preside, to rule over, to govern, and to appoint, and also establish So this word lead, all of us, this affects all of us no matter where you're at in life, okay? And we're going to talk about this from church kind of structure and just everyday life um, and having the gift of leadership. And I love this because it says this is how we're supposed to lead is with diligence. And diligence means to have speed or haste. It's kind of an action. Um, It means earnest and enthusiastic. What I didn't hear in this was that leaders were supposed to lead out of fear intimidation, dictatorship. Do you guys see that in there? No, because that's not how we're supposed to lead. Um, We're not supposed to lead people in condemnation or shame. We're not supposed to bully them. We're actually supposed to lead with earnestness and enthusiasm, eager to do what we've been called to do. So if you have the gift of leadership or if you know somebody, how many don't raise, well, you can raise your hand if you want to. How many of you can think of a bad leader in your life? All right. And if you're thinking about us, put it down. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> we have been bad leaders. I'll just put it out there. We have been bad leaders, all right? We are not perfect leaders. But to lead means to have, um, to preside, to rule over. This happens, if you have a job, if we work in here, you probably have somebody ruling over you. You got a supervisor, you got a manager, you got a owner, an operator, you got the C group, which CFO, CEOs, all those. We have our government, we have our military, we have police, right? If you're in school, you got teachers, counselors, principals. There's people ruling on every level. If you're in a family, somebody's probably ruling that family. Some of you, you let your kids rule your house. Ooh, Just fine. Um, don't look at anybody. Uh, but we all have those things. And if you have the gift of leadership, is to lead from love. And to lead in integrity, right? So I love this quote. It says, "If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, and become more, you're a leader." And that's by John Quincy Adams. And I think about this even in the life of Jesus. And you might say, "What?" I love because I told you guys I love Peter, right? All the disciples. We watch Jesus as our example. Our ultimate example he inspired others he gave hope he is the hope of the world right he's the creator he allows us do you know God's not afraid of your dreams he probably gave us some of our dreams right and he, he wants us to learn he don't want you stuck how do we learn it helps to actually transform us when we learn when we grow and to become more I love when he sees Peter Leaders actually, now this can be a pitfall, so I'm going to talk from the positive for the moment, okay? Leaders usually can see something in you that you can't see in yourself or you don't believe in yourself. So I, I meet people all the time from the positive that they, I'm like, man, you have this gift in you, and I see it. Like, I, I, I don't know how, but I tell you, I can see it. And what we're supposed to do is a good leader, will come and say, you know what? I'm going to invest. I'm going to help you build that, grow that, so you can become all that God has called you to be. And you can do that whether you're in a church setting or you're in a business setting or your family setting. Now, if with this with Peter, I love, because Jesus actually calls him, he says, you're going to be a rock. I see something in you, Peter, that you may not see in yourself right now, but I see it. And you're actually going to be one who helps to lead. And so I love that Jesus is one that sees the best in us and always pulls us forward. So if you're a leader, that should be part of you. I love this one. If you're in, um, let me jump over here. This one says, the task of a leader is to get people from where they are at to where they have not been. A leader Somebody that rules and presides is actually where they get you, maybe where you're at. They are able to take those gifts and resources and be able to move us to another place. So think about this. Well, think in just like the church world for a second. As a shepherd, Jesus says he's the good shepherd, right? In Psalms 23, what does he say? I lead and I guide you. So good leaders should be leading and guiding people. They should be, you know, if you're a sheep, you can only eat at that grass for so long, and we're going to have to move, or you're just going to be eating dirt. A leader is one who's willing to lay down their life. Now, that sounds a little countercultural, and we're going to look at some scripture here in just a second. But I love this, that it's to get you from where you're at to where you haven't been. So the next one here is, I want to just give you key words. You may say, well, I don't know if I have a gift of leadership, but these are some of the key characteristics. Usually you're administrative. You're very goal oriented. You met those people who, man, they got a goal for everything. Some of you are like, what is a goal? Come see me after. Um, They usually can handle a lot of responsibility. They're diligent. A lot of leaders are visionary. What I mean by that is they're like, hey, there's a problem. Something happened, okay, let's grab Grace, let's grab Kelsey, let's grab Mark. They have these gifts, these talents, let's get together. We're going to organize it, and we'll get something happening and moving. A leader's usually able to see and do that. They're organized. So let us go. I I love this scripture, and we're going to have fun here. And Luke chapter 22 should be on the screen for you guys, or if you want to turn in your Bibles. But Luke 22, starting in 25, let me give you a little precept. We used this last week. But here we're seeing the disciples, Jesus is about to be crucified, it's, everything is leading up to this moment, and the disciples, like many of us, are having a moment, it lets me know humanity um, hasn't changed all that much, but they're having a moment to find out who's going to be the greatest. And they're vying for a position, James and John say, hey, let me sit on your right hand and on your left hand, and it begins to cause a skirmish. Between the disciples. They're all like, we all gave up stuff too. Who says you get to just sit on his right hand? And I love this. Read with me. Jesus interrupted their argument. Now let me just pause here for a second. Do you know Jesus will interrupt you? How many are thankful for some interruptions by Jesus? Amen. I am glad. There are moments when he's interrupted me from saying something that I probably shouldn't need to say. Um, there's moments he's interrupted me from making decisions. So I welcome the interruption but Jesus interrupted their argument saying the kings and men of authority in this world they rule oppressively over their subjects claiming that they do it for the good of the people everybody who pay taxes say amen I'm just fine just playing they are obsessed with how others see them can I just stop here red flag this is a huge thing if you're a leader can we just have real talk for a second if this is your gift do not get obsessed how people see you. So here's the coin. You can get obsessed with how people see you in the good, thinking that you're all that, that you got, you are all that in the bag of chips, right? Guess what? As a leader, we still need other people. You're not the dictator. You don't get the final authority. Jesus does. But we can become obsessed with how good everybody, and we can surround ourselves with all the people that pat us on the back, and we begin to go, what, into Pride. And we need to have an ego check. On the flip side of that coin, we can get obsessed with how people, what people say against us. We can listen to the criticism. We can start to listen and doubt what God is saying. And guess what will happen? You'll get paralyzed in fear and never make a move. So, one, we don't get obsessed with what people are thinking. So let's carry back on. Jesus tells them, this is not your calling. That is not how you lead. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. It's to serve other people. It's to love other people. It's to bring value. It's to bring the best out of them. Jesus does that for us. He, try, he pulls the best out of us, and that's what he wants us to do in our lives, if this is your gift. And then it says, the leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes, but in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. And he asked them this beautiful question, am I not here with you as one who serves you? Jesus is our ultimate example of a leader. All right, let me, let's look really quickly at some pitfalls. Some of the pitfalls, if you're a leader, like I said, you're usually organized, you, um, you're you administrative, you are visionary, but you have goals. But there are some of the pitfalls, and I have hit every single one of these. So I can talk from very good um, examples here myself. But using people, you're like, Jenny, you use people? Yes, I did. <laughs> Maybe not in church. I've been in management and other places. Um, but because you want to get something done and I'm like, Hey, you look like a good person. You got arms and legs. That's why we just need somebody to get something done. So not using people. And let me say this. How many of you guys have ever been to a store? I don't know why we're on the buggies thing in stores, but how many of you've ever been to a store and you're waiting in line and the lines are crazy long and we all have a store probably right now in mind. But I've been to a couple the past week. Lines are, like, way down. Everybody's getting angry. You can start hearing all the, we to open up these registers, you know, all this stuff. And I'm watching somebody who I know is probably a supervisor. I'm like, get on the cashier, you know. Let's move this thing along. We lead by example. So if you're a leader, and we'll talk about delegation in a minute. If you delegated, awesome. But if you delegated so much that you're just standing around and you ain't doing nothing, that's called laziness. So don't be a lazy leader. Amen. Lazy leaders don't go very far. I love this quote. I don't have it on there. But it said, if you think you're a leader and you turn around and there's nobody following you, you're a walking. (laughs) You're just taking a walk. Um, You can be too ambitious and uh, become a workaholic. Um, I have fit that category. My husband can tell you. He'll be like, Jenny, stop. I don't want to hear one more church work project stop shut it down so um, sometimes if you're a leader you're kind of a workaholic and you know what Jesus had to retreat there are seasons of rest I've learned this I'm still learning this I haven't arrived but I'm learning this you have to rest you've got to let those things defrag get strengthened and then move forward amen we can play favorites being bossy and not listening to others now Listen, there's times as a leader, you got to know the direction you're going, and you got to move, and you you can't get torn apart by what people are saying, but you do need to have people in your life that are not just yes men or women, but you need to have people who will counsel and give you good counsel, who will keep you accountable if they see you starting an error, that they can come in and say, hey, you need to check this. So if it's at your job, if you're a parent, we're supposed to lead by example, right? We tell our kids, what, I want you to respect me? Do you respect your kids? do they see you respecting your spouse leaders lead by example in action amen alright don't neglect your family and responsibilities in favor of more exciting projects oh I have done that and I've had to apologize to my kids I didn't get in a project not even at church even when I was at work and we'd be starting new projects and that would become I'd get consumed in that and so you can't do that those are pitfalls Um, and not becoming the dictator all right let's go to examples really quick y'all good all right is it too hot in here we need to freeze you out all right just checking very quickly there are so many leaders in our in our world and I wanted to create this huge list but we don't have time and there are leaders in arts and education and industry and health and science amazing leaders amazing world leaders right we're going to look today, since we're in church, we're going to go a little more of the biblical route and pull some of these examples of leadership. If this is your gift, then le- learn from these amazing leaders. And I'm going to hit these pretty quickly. We have Moses. man. Moses, scholars said that they he probably let out 2 million people. Could you imagine leading out 2 million people who've been entrenched for over 400 years in bondage, who have been used to a system and a government and everything can you imagine leading them out, even though it's crazy dysfunction, leading them to, hey, here we go. We're going to the promised land. Where? where? We're just going to keep following God. Can you imagine the kickback you would get? Well, that ain't the way we're supposed to go. No, I think the GPS would be turned back there. You got us to a river. See, look, I knew you weren't listening. I love that Moses had a relationship with God. He listened to God. He had amazing burning bush moments. He got hidden in the cleft of the rock. And I like Moses because he actually argued with God for a moment about the assignment. But he surrendered and God won out. And then when he got the assignment, he was persistent. He was uncompromising. Even when Pharaoh would give him some good alternatives, he didn't stray. He didn't get pulled away from what he felt he was supposed to do and the way he was supposed to lead. He had humility because there were some times where uh, God said, hey, let's just kill all these people because they crazy. Like half the the ground opened up and swallowed half of them because they were just murmuring, complaining. And Moses said, no, Lord, what would people think of you? He's like, let's keep going. And he relied on God. Amen. Nehemiah. I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of those. He got, he got a God didn't even ask him. He got He's seen a situation, and he said, I want to see the temple rebuilt. And so he got resources. As a leader, you gather resources, and you gather people. He got all the people together, and he said, we're going to rebuild this thing. And he got them innovated, and he organized it, and he did his thing, and they started to rebuild. And then some chatter come. That's what I call them. The little chattering voices begin to come and say, well, that's not how you need to do it. Ever have that in your life? You start going for God and people start chattering, trying to run you down, talking. You know what he did? He said, we're not even listening to them. Get the sword in your hand and keep on building. And if they come, we got some people that we'll put in place to fight, but we're going to keep doing what we feel like God has called us to do. And so I love that about Nehemiah. All right. I'm throwing stuff down and stepping on it. All right, Joseph, he's a dreamer. Awesome idea of a visionary. Can I give you a quick Little hint, you probably heard it a million times. Don't share your dream with everybody. Because not everybody can handle it. Pray on it. When God gives you something, even if you're in the you're wanting to start a business, pray on it. Get some counsel. Put those people in your life. Don't go start sharing your dream with everybody because everybody doesn't can't hear and that ain't their gift and they ain't seeing it. You know what? I love you. You'll see it when I'm done. So Joseph was a visionary, and I love this. The biggest thing I love about Joseph was his integrity. And, guys, can I say this? In our world that we live in today, we need leaders with integrity in all areas, church, business, across the board. Man, Joseph had the moment and the opportunity to fall, to give in to temptation when he was seduced by Potiphar's wife, and he ran. He had the moment to retaliate, and he never did. He never did. His brothers actually come to him. If you don't know his story, they had sold him into slavery. He ends up being a slave, and he rises up because his gift made room for him. He rises up, and he's put over the other slaves. Then he's brought in. Potiphar's wife wants to try to have her way with him. He runs from that situation, falsely accused and thrown into prison. We never see him get bitter. We actually see him become rising up in the jail cell and helping and working and organizing, then we see where there is a butler and the baker. that have a dream. He still uses his gifts to, to determine those dreams, and then he's forgotten about. And again, his integrity still solid until a point where Pharaoh has a dream, and it, it bothers him, and somebody remembers old Joseph. And he's brought before him, and he's able to interpret. And not only that, I love this about him of being a visionary. He said, man, God's showing us something, so what can we do? And he actually helps to create a system to sustain the people through a famine. Amazing. And lastly, Paul. I love that Paul in the New Testament, he is unprejudiced. He says, man, I'm going to preach to the Jew, I'm going to preach to the Greek. He said, this thing is for everybody. And I love that he was willing, and, and I feel like he had courage and endurance, man, to have courage to stand and be beaten over and over, to stand and, and do what God has asked him to do. So those are just some quick things on this. I love this quote, leadership is not a position or title, it's action and example. So if you're a leader, man, lead with integrity, lead with courage, Lead with the heart of serving people and not a dictator. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. Joseph might be one of my favorite ones. That's awesome. Uh, so we're uh, going to dive just for a moment into showing mercy with cheerfulness. Look at your neighbor and smile. Say, so be happy. <laughs> showing mercy with cheerfulness. Um, the I've got to get my, where are my eyes at? Oh. I got to get my glasses. I can't see nothing. I used to, any of you guys before you ever needed glasses warm just to look cool? Anybody ever do that? I used to do that every once in a while. I'd be like, man, I'm going to wear some glasses just so I look intelligent or I look smart. Now when I need them, I'm like, man, I can't see anything without them. Um, so the way translation says um, if you come with sympathy to sorrow, bring God's sunlight in your face. The West translation says, the one who shows mercy with joyous abandon. Wow. Paul charges us, listen, that if you're going to operate in the gift of mercy, you do it with cheerfulness. Because the opposite of this is Job's comforters. Anybody ever read the story of Job? He has a bunch of friends that get around him, and they make him feel so much better about life. (laughs) They're like, man, you sinned, you messed up, you no good for nothing. Look, at you're getting what you deserve. You're, you know. And by the, by the time it's done, I, I'm surprised Job didn't commit murder. You know what I mean? Like, he does tell them, you are all a bunch of miserable counselors. And, uh, so, and God says, Job never sinned in what he said. So I guess God agreed you guys are miserable counselors. Because the counsel means to sew you back up on the inside to unite you on the inside, to call you out of wandering and back into wholeness. That's what comforting is. And that is such a big part of the gift of mercy. If Mercy shows up, but, but it's not a grace to someone. If you show up in the gift of mercy, but you make it seem like you are going so far out of your way, and it's such an inconvenience to help you right now. How many of you guys have ever been a part of that kind of mercy? You know what I mean? Like, ever had said, well, I tell you what, I had to uh you know cross the river and through the woods and take a plane and a helicopter and a boat and a train to get here but i got you some chicken nuggets i hope you enjoy them you know like don't do me any favors you know what i mean like so paul says and i don't think it's just on accident he wants you to know if you're gonna operate in the gift of mercy you do it with cheerfulness and see, some people they don't know what to do with that because a lot of times everyone thinks when you operate in the gift of mercy that you're just gonna come and cry with them. And maybe there's a part of that legitimately, but that can't last forever. We can't always get together and just Isn't life terrible. Oh my god, you know, like that that has to exist for a moment for the connection, but that's not the gift of mercy in its entirety. Mercy is actually operates in the anointing of the Holy Spirit through cheerfulness. It's an ability to identify with where someone's at, but call the best out of them. Call them out of wandering. Call them out of sorrow. Matter of fact, in Isaiah, he says, he will give you the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. To me, that's kind of like operating in the gift of mercy is I see where you're at, I feel where you're at, I know what you're going through, but put this on for a little while and just begin to experience a grace, a peace, a hope, a joy. I call you out of wandering and I begin to tie you back up emotionally on the inside. That's the gift of mercy. And Jesus says, be ye merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Now, what sometimes we don't imagine, how many guys ever heard the scripture, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Anybody heard that one? And you're like, I don't think I'm going to try that one. (laughs) Or you spend the rest of your life judging everybody else who isn't perfect, right? But that, do you know what the real connection to this is, is actually be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful, It's literally connected to the idea of wholeness, of soundness, of completeness, and perfection. When you study this out, if you look this up, to be perfect is to be merciful. Did you know the Lord your God delights in showing mercy? He delights in it. Matter of fact, he says his mercies are new every once in a while. Through his mercies... We are not consumed. They are new every morning. So let's dive in. Let's find out what this whole mercy thing is about. Now, mercy is not sympathy, okay? Because sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Anybody ever done that? I know you guys have. You're like, and, and you know what? Sometimes we're justified by that. Oh, bless their heart. I just feel so bad for them. Oh, that's wonderful for, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad you feel sorry for me. Like, cool. You know, that's not the gift of mercy. Sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Mercy is feeling bad with someone in cheerfulness and grace of God to bring them out of it. Wow. That's so good. Um, so uh, usually uh, the Hebraic understanding is connected to this idea of completeness, this mercy. And so mercy is not sympathy. Mercy is bigger than that. I would say it's like this. Um, I, and I've met people who do this. When an ambulance goes by, you ever seen people like, Father, I, I pray for that ambulance right now. Does any of you guys do that? Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, so so uh, sympathy is praying for the... For the ambulance as it goes by, mercy is the nurse and the doctor who get their hands covered in the situation, who don't just, oh, I feel sorry for them. It's no, it's an action word, it's an involvement, it's a sticking to it. Matter of fact, do you guys remember when Jesus teaches about mercy? He creates this story, which may not have been um, just a, a parable, it may have been an actual story about a guy who was passing through Jericho who got robbed, who got beat up, got his car stolen, stole his gold teeth. Like, I mean, they messed this guy up. And um, and so Jesus says, listen, the religious people were passing by on the other side, but uh, a Samaritan, which they could not stand, picks this guy up, puts him on his donkey or in his car and and takes him to the place, pays for the the medical bills, and tells the innkeeper, hey, if he owes anything else when I get back, put it on my account. And Jesus asked the question, who do you think showed mercy? Was it the priest who went by and said, oh, Father, I know he's having a bad day. God bless him. Help him, Lord. Give him your peace. Now, he said, the guy who showed mercy is the guy who got involved. The guy who showed mercy was the guy who did something. The guy that showed mercy was the guy that stepped into this moment and brought healing into this moment. That's the gift of mercy. So there are three essential things we need to understand about God and about theology and about your walk with God. You ready for these? Three main things. Judgment, mercy, and grace. Everybody say judgment, Judgment. mercy, mercy, and grace. You got it. You got to get these. What is judgment? Judgment is getting what you deserve. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. And grace is God giving good things to you that you could never deserve. So those are, those are key understandings. And a lot of times when people think about the judgment of God, they think of God willing to hurt or punish or destroy or bring chaos into someone's life. God's judgment is just allowing you to begin to reap what you've been sowing to allow you to begin to experience anybody ever made stupid decisions anybody ever had the dog come back to bite you right you know what I mean like so that's that's in a sense his judgment is because And, and, you know, every time when we read the Old Testament and people are like, God was so angry. No, he he said to Jeremiah, I have sent you day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. He served for a period of over four kings. The first three never listened to a word he said. And then when they finally begin to get taken captive, Josiah goes, whoa, we should check this out. he he allowed them, he warned them, he begged with them, he pleaded with them, and then he says, well, I'm going to let you get what you've been wanting. I'm going to let you reap what you've been sowing. So it's not this willful idea of God punishing us. It's literally, and you know what happens in that judgment, though, is is God is there pleading to you while you're eating the fruit that you didn't want, and he's like, come back home. He's calling you. He's texting you. Are you okay? Can I come get you? Are you ready to get out of this? Man, this is so good, guys. Wow. So mercy is at its most transforming when it's aimed and directed at those who are undeserving. Gratitude is the fruit that grows on the tree called mercy. The gift of mercy includes philanthropic activities such as feeding the hungry, caring for the sick or the poor, the wounded, or the aging, all of which can be done cheerfully because nobody wants a downcast mercy gift. Uh, To minister to the whole world is the work of the whole church, and that is what the scripture teaches. We are better together. We need the gift of leadership for someone to say, hey, okay, this is the problem. These are the people. These are the gifts. This is how we're going to do it. And then we need those who are hurting, those who are wounded, to operate in the gift of mercy. We need teaching to make disciples. Like all of this comes together, fits together, clicks together, and makes us better together in such a way that Jesus even calls us the body of the anointed one. Like Christ is not his last name we become his hands and his feet his lips we become his eyes we become his expression in the earth when we operate in the gifts if you've received these gifts Paul says use them to bring matter of fact Peter says to everybody who's received a gift operate in it so that the multicolored multi-textured beautiful grace of God may be spilled on all of humanity so let me ask you something. Imagine this with me. Well, you all right? Check this out. Imagine this. Imagine you're at, you're at work and you've been at this job for a while, and and behind your back, your boss goes to the HR department or to the HR manager and says, "Listen, old Tara's been doing a great job, and man, she's she's showed up when I knew it was tough for her to show up, and she's been faithful, and she's still going to school, and I'm just so proud of her." and She's just really just stepping up to meet the need. And so I want to do something special for Tara. So I want you to uh, give her a raise. I want you to give her another week of vacation. And matter of fact, let's get the whole uh, school staff to buy a special vacation to send her and Ben on a cruise for two weeks to anywhere in the world she wants to go. She says, I receive it in Jesus' name. But the problem is, the HR person never does any of it. A gift was given and willed by the boss, but the person actually never put it into action. And so Tara never knows she's appreciated. She never gets to experience the vacation. She never got the raise. She never got the... uh, you know, added bonuses in her life. The, these added things that could have lifted her up and blessed her, because a gift was willed. The gift was intention. The power was there, but the execution never happened. And so Tara's coming to work, thinking, "Man, don't they recognize the sacrifice? Don't they see what I've been? Co-? Come on, man. I, this is a my own story. I'm making it up as I go, but it's okay. Um, but listen, this is this is what this gift is like." And if you don't share the gift God put in your life, you're robbing Tara. If you don't use what God put in you, you're robbing yourself of watching God work in someone's life. You're robbing yourself of the experience, and you're robbing them from the intended blessing Adonai intended for them. So I wonder how often... We are robbing people. Imagine God gave you a gift to share, but you never did. Our Lord spoke Aramaic on a daily basis. In all likelihood, the word he would have used uh, comes out of the Old Testament, Raham, and uh, it's also the Hebrew word. Raham was a verb referring to an action, to an action, to a state of being merciful. It comes from this root word, Rechem, which means the womb. The womb deep inside you. This place where life is conceived, this place where, where life happens. And he says the gift of mercy in our Lord's language, connecting you to the womb of God. You're literally carrying the life of God within you. Matter of fact, when Jesus is moved with compassion, that's what it, that's what it, he's literally being moved from the inside. And see, sympathy is us on the outside patting someone on the back. And man, how many of you guys are thankful for sympathy? I'm glad I have someone that put their arm around my neck every once in a while, and be like, man, it's gonna be okay. It's all right. I'm thankful for that. Seriously, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for friends, for people who can stop, even if they can't get their feet dirty, but they can just stop and look you in the eyes and say, man, proud of you, doing a great job. Keep going, you know? But mercy isn't something that happens on the outside. Mercy is something that happens on the inside. Mercy is when we, as a church, come together and say, hey, we listen, we know that there are people suffering around the world. We know that there's villages where people are drinking the water and getting sick and losing their children and and mothers are having barren wounds from the... the, We can do something about that. We can hear about it and say, Lord, please bless India, or we can actually do something to change it. That's mercy. The main word, when the Septuagint, sorry, I don't want to geek you guys out, but the Greek version of the Bible is called the Septuagint the Hebrew Bible, every time they translate that word mercy, it's from this incredible word called chesed. Chesed is almost undefinable because this is what it means. It means loving kindness, full of tender mercy. God self describes himself as full of chesed over and over and over. Matter of fact, there was one psalmist named Ethan. That David appointed to sing of Chesed all the days of his life. Psalm 89, Ethan literally says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known his faithfulness. His faithfulness to all generations. With my mouth will I make known his mercies to every generation. God literally picked a man. The worshiper, David said, there's a guy right there. I'm just going to set him in this place to sing of God's said forever and forever. Psalm 136 literally says, for the Lord is good. His said endures forever. His tender mercies, His loving kindnesses endure forever. Man, wow. It's incredible. This is so much more than just a wave of pity. This is God pulling you into Himself. Whew. The gift of mercy is It's when God pulls you to himself. See, Jenny got up and and earlier today, you said there's somebody here that's asking, does God love me? And you could have let that question sit in the air or, or just sit in your mind. But the Lord invoked the gift of mercy, said, I want you to get up and say something, do something, let them know, I love them. And the gift of mercy begins to operate. And if there's someone that was in the room who was saying, man, I feel so alone. Did I mess up? Did I blow it? Is he mad at me? Is it too late? Did I go too far? Did I mess up too bad? And God taps a a woman on the shoulder and said, no, 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 no. I want you to operate in the gift of mercy. Get up and tell them, I love you. I'm here. Nothing can separate you from me. Mercy is God pulling us into himself would you just close your eyes right now those of you who are watching online just close your eyes right where you're at unless you're driving down the road don't do that mercy calls us back home mercy is the love of God some scholars believe that has said, translated in the New Testament, is the word agape. It's the perfect love of God towards you. Did you know his love is perfect towards you? And his love is not based on your performance. It's not based on your ability to keep all the rules or dot all the I's and cross all the T's because then you could earn it. And mercy and love would never be a gift if you earn it. It would be a trophy. God's love can't be bought. It can't be measured. It can't be defined in just words. It's undefinable. Matter of fact, Paul calls it the indescribable gift. So right here, right now, man, I've made up my mind. I'm never going to close another one of these moments without allowing people to pass from death to life, to cross that line of faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, friend, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. We need his forgiveness. And the moment we say, Lord, I've messed up and I don't wanna wanna live distant, I, I, I wanna come home. I want to experience that forgiveness. I want to I want to change from the inside out. I, I'm tired of carrying this shame and this guilt and this condemnation. I'm tired of not being able to look at myself in the mirror and I'm I'm ashamed of of the stupid things I've done and and Lord, I I want to come home. I want to I want to come back and allow you to to love the hell out of me, to to wash me, to cleanse me. I I want my innocence restored. I want to be clean on the inside. I want to live for you and not for me. I I want eternal life, God. I, I want to walk this thing out. And today, mercy has to be received. It's a gift wrapped for you. God wants nothing more for you than for you to receive The gift of mercy, the gift of grace that brings you back home. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, right here in this moment, if you can say, man, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never crossed that line of faith. I've never been able to call God my father, but I want to. God is right here right now in this moment I'm talking to you not the person beside you this is your moment this is your chance this is your invitation if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life right here right now I want to ask you do you want to give your life to Jesus it's the best decision you'll ever make as we sung about it earlier he'll pick you up He'll turn you around. He'll place your feet on solid ground. He'll take away the stain and the the pain and the condemnation and the guilt. And Jesus calls it being born again. So right here, just between you and God, this moment, will you make Jesus the Lord of your life? God says, I want you to come home. If you don't know how to do that, I just want you to repeat this simple prayer. Mean it from your heart. Listen, this is not all you and God need to talk about, but it starts right here. Just want you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you me, my good parts, my broken parts, my shameful parts, my, my wounded parts. I give you my life Jesus and Lord I receive your gift of mercy for me I receive your grace right here right now change me from the inside out Jesus I'm going to follow you from this day forward the rest of my life I give you my life Jesus
0: for more information to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom.